I'm going to be introducing a new book to my students called Black People Are Indigenous to the Americas Research Material for the Inquisitive by Kimberly R. Norton. This is the table of contents right here. There's some really good research in here. I can't wait to, um, I'm reviewing the book now and then I'm putting together different presentations as well uh, based on this. So this part is about um, Giovanni de Verrazano. It says, in 1524, Giovanni de Verrazano wrote a letter to King Francis depicting the people in the Carolinas as being black like Ethiopians. The Verrazano letter, according to the original version, Captain John Giovanni de Verrazano, due to his most high serene majesty, the King of France writes, since the tempest which we encountered on the northern coast, I have not written to your most serene and Christian majesty concerning the four ships sent out by your orders on the ocean to discover new lands, because I thought you must have been before apprised of all that happened to us, that we have been compelled by the impetuous violence of the winds to put into Brittany in distress with only the two ships, Normandy and Dolphin, and that after having repaired these ships, we made a cruise in them, well armed along the coast of Spain, as your majesty must have heard, and also of our new plan of continuing our begun voyage with the Dolphin alone. From this voyage being now returned, I proceed to give your majesty an account of our discoveries. On the 17th of last January, January 1524, we set sail from a desolate rock near the inland of Madeira, belonging to his most serene majesty, the King of Portugal, with 50 men having provisions sufficient for eight months, arms and other warlike munition and naval stores, sailing westward with a light and pleasant easterly breeze. In 25 days, we ran 800 leagues. On the 24th of February, we encountered a violent, as violent a hurricane as any ship has ever weathered, from which we escaped unhurt by the divine assistance and goodness to the praise of the glorious and fortunate name of our good ship that had been able to support the violent tossing of the waves. Pursuing our voyage towards the west a little northwardly, in 24 days more, March, having run 400 leagues, we reached a new country, Carolina coast, which had never before been seen by anyone, either in ancient or modern times. At first, it appeared to be very low, but on approaching it to within a quarter of a league from the shore, we perceived by the great fires near the east coast that it was inhabited. We perceived that it stretched to the south and coasted along in that direction in search of some port in which we might come to anchor 
and examine into the nature of the country, but for 50 leagues we could find none in which we could lie securely. Seeing the coast still stretched to the south, we resolved to change our course and stand to the northward, and as we still had the same difficulty, we drew in with the land and sent a boat on shore. Many people who were seen coming to the seaside fled at our approach, but occasionally stopping, they looked back upon us with astonishment. And some were at length induced by various friendly signs to come to us. These showed the greatest delight on beholding us, wandering at our dress, countenance, and complexion. They then showed us signs whereby we could more conveniently secure our boat and offered us some of their provisions. That your majesty may know all that we learned while on shore of their manners and customs of life, I will relate what we saw as briefly as possible. They go entirely naked except that about the loins, they wear skins of small animals like Martins fastened by a girdle of plaited grass to which they tie all around the body the toils of other animals hanging down to the knees. All other parts of the body and the head are naked. Some wear garlands similar to bird feathers. The complexion of these people is black, not much different from that of the Ethiopians. Their hair is black and thick and not very long. It is worn tied back upon the head in the form of a little tail. In person, they are of good proportions of middle stature, a little above our own. Broad across the breast, strong in the arms, and well-formed in the legs and other parts of the body. The only exception to their good looks is that they have broad faces, but not all, however, as we saw, many that have sharp ones with large black eyes and a fixed expression. They are not very strong in body, but acute in mind, active and swift of foot, as far as we could judge by observation. In these last two particulars, they resemble the people of the East, especially those the most remote. We could not learn a great many particular of the usages on account of our short stay among them and the distance from our ship to the shore. We could not, we found not far from this people another whose mode of life we judge to be similar. The whole shore is covered with fine sand, about 15 feet thick, rising in the form of little hills about 50 paces broad. Ascending farther, we found several arms of the sea, which make in through inlets, washing the shores on both sides as the coast runs. In outstretched country, the Carolinas appears at a little distance rising somewhat above the sandy shore in beautiful fields and broad plains, covered with immense forests of trees, more or less dense, too various in colors. And too delightful and charming in appearance to be described, I do not believe that they are like the Hercian forest or the rough wilds of Scythia in the northern regions full of vines and common trees, but adorned with palms, laurels, cypresses, and other varieties unknown in Europe that send forth the sweetest fragrance to a great distance, but which we could not examine more closely for the reasons given, and not on account of any difficulty in traversing the woods, which on the contrary are easily penetrated.
as the Orient stretches around this country, I think it cannot be devoid of the same medicinal and aromatic drugs and various riches of gold and the like, as is denoted by the color of the ground. It, ab it abounds also in animals as deer, stags, hares, and many others similar with a great variety of birds for every kind of pleasant and delightful sports. It is plentifully supplied with lakes and ponds of running water and being in the latitude of 34, the air is salubrious, pure and temperate and free from the extremes of both heat and cold. There are no violent winds in these regions. The most prevalent are the Northwest and the, e and the East. Sorry, the Northwest and the West. In summer, the season in which we were there, the sky is clear, but with little rain. If fogs and mists are at any time driven in by the south wind, they are instantaneously dissipated and at once it becomes serene and bright again. The sea is calm, not boisterous, and its waves are gentle. Although the wave coast is low and without harbors, it is not dangerous for navigation being free from rocks and bold, so that when within four or five fathoms from the shore, there is 24 feet of water at all times of tide, and this depth constantly increases in a uniform proportion. The holding ground is so good that no ship can part her cable, however violent the wind, as we proved by experience. For while riding at anchor on the coast, we were overtaken by a gale in the beginning of March when the winds are high. As is usual in all countries, we found our anchor broken before it started from its hold or moved at all. We set sail from this place, continuing to coast along the shore, which we found stretching out to the west North Carolina. The inhabitants being numerous, we saw everywhere a multitude of fires. While at anchor on this coast, there being no harbor to enter, we sent the boat on shore with 25 men to obtain water, but it was not possible to land without endangering the boat on account of the immense high surf thrown up by the sea as it was an open roadstead. Many of the natives came to the beach, indicating by various friendly signs that we must trust ourselves on shore. One of their noble deeds of friendship deserves to be made known to your majesty. A young suitor was attempting to swim ashore through the surf to carry them some knickknacks as little bells, looking glasses and other like trifles. When he came near three or four of them, he tossed the things to them and turned about to get back to the boat, but he was thrown over by the waves. And so dashed by them that he laid as it were dead upon the beach. When these people saw him in this situation, they ran and took him up by the head, legs and arms and carried him to a distance from the surf. The young man finding himself borne off in this way uttered very large shrieks in fear and dismay while they answered him as they could in their language, showing him that he had no cause for fear. Afterwards, they laid him down at the foot of a little hill when they took off his shirt and trousers and examined him, expressing the greatest astonishment at the whiteness of his skin. Our sailors, our sailors in the boat seeing a great fire made up and their companies placed very near it, full of fear, 
as is usual in all cases of novelty, imagined that the natives were about to roast him for food. But as soon as he had recovered his strength after a short stay with them, showing by signs that he wished to return abroad, they hugged him with great affection and accompanied him to the shore. Then leaving him that he might feel more secure, they withdrew to a little hill from which they watched him until he was safe in the boat. This young man remarked that these people were black like the others, that they had shining skins, middle stature, and sharp faces, and very delicate bodies and limbs, and that they were inferior in strength but quick in their minds. This is all that he observed of them. Departing hence and always following the shore, which stretched to the north, we came in the space of fifty leagues to another land, which appeared very beautiful and full of the largest forest, Delaware and New Jersey coast. We approached it, and going ashore with twenty men, we went back from the coast about two leagues and found that the people had fled and hid themselves in the woods for fear. By searching around, we discovered in the grass a very old woman and a young girl of about 18 or 20 who had concealed themselves for the very same reason. The old woman carried two infants on her shoulders and behind her neck a little boy eight years of age. When we came up to them, they began to shriek and make signs to the men who had fled to the woods. We gave them a part of our provisions, which they accepted with delight, but the girl would not touch any. Everything we offered to her were being thrown down in great anger. We took the little boy from the old woman to carry with us to France and would have taken the girl also who was very beautiful and very tall, but it was impossible because of the loud shriek she uttered as we attempted to lead her away. Having to pass some woods and being far from the ship, we determined to leave her and take the boy only. We found them fairer than the others and wearing a covering made of certain plants which hung down from the branches of the, tree, of the trees, tying them together with threads of wild hemp. Their heads are without covering and of the same shape as the others. Their food is a kind of pulse which there abounds, different in color and size from ours and of a very delicious flavor. Besides, they take birds and fish for food using snares and balls made of hard wood with reeds for arrows, in the ends of which they put the bones of fish and other animals. The animals in these regions are wilder than in Europe from being continuously molested by the hunters. We saw many of their boats made of one tree, 20 foot long and four feet abroad, without the aid of stone or iron or other kind of metal. In the whole country, for the space of 200 leagues which we visited, we saw no stone of any sort. To hollow out their boats, they burn out as much of a log as is requisite, and also from the prow and stern to make them float well on the sea. The land in situation, fertility, and beauty is like the other, abounding also in forests filled with various kinds of trees, but not of such fragrance as is more northern and older. We saw in this country, many vines growing naturally and continually, which entwine about the trees and run upon them as they do in the plains of Lombardy. These vines would doubtless produce excellent wine if they were properly cultivated and attended to, 
as we have often seen the grapes which they produce very sweet and pleasant. Not unlike our own, they must be held in estimation by them as they carefully remove them, the shrubbery from around them wherever they grow to allow the fruit to ripen better. We found also wild roses, violets, lilies, and many sorts of plants and fragrant flowers different from our own. We cannot describe their habitations as they are in the interior of the country. But from various indications, we conclude they must be formed of trees and shrubs. We saw also many grounds for conjecturing they often sleep in the open air without any covering but the sky. Of their usages, we know nothing. We believe, however, that all people we were among live the same way. After having remained here three days, riding at anchor on the coast as we could find no harbor, we determined to depart and coast along the shore to the northeast, keeping sail on the vessel only by day and coming to anchor by night. After proceeding 100 leagues, we found a very pleasant situation among some steep hills, through which a very large river deep at its mouth forced its way into the sea, the New York Harbor. From the sea to the estuary of the river, any ship heavily laden might pass with the help of the tide, which rises eight feet. But as we were riding at anchor in a good berth, we would not venture up in our vessel without a knowledge of the mouth. Therefore, we took the boat and entering the river, we found the country on its banks well peopled, the inhabitants not differing much from the others, being dressed out with feathers of birds of various colors, they came toward us with evident delight, raising loud shouts of admiration and showing us where we could most securely land with our boat. We passed up this river about half a league where we found it formed a most beautiful lake, three leagues in circuit upon which they were rowing 30 or more of their small boats from one shore to the other, filled with multitudes who came to see us. All of a sudden, as is wont to happen to navigators, a violent contrary wind blew in from the sea and forced us to return to our ship, greatly regretting to leave this region which seems so commodious and delightful, which we suppose must also contain great riches as hills showed many indications of minerals. Weighing anchor, we sailed 80 leagues towards the east as the, the coast stretched in that direction and always in sight of it, at length, we discovered an island of triangular form, about 10 leagues from the mainland, in size about equal to the island of Rhodes, having many hills covered with trees and well-peopled, judging from the great number of fires which we saw all around its shores. We gave it the name of Your Majesty's Illustrious Mother. We did not land there as the weather was unfavorable, but proceeded to another place 15 leagues distant from the island where we found a very excellent harbor, Newport Harbor. Before entering it, we saw about 20 small boats full of people who came about our ship, uttering many cries of astonishment, but they would not approach nearer than within 50 paces. Stopping, they looked at the structure of our ship, our persons and our dress, 
and afterwards they all raised a loud shout together, signifying that they were pleased. By imitating their signs, we inspired them in some measure with confidence so that they came near enough for us to toss them some little bells and glasses and many toys, which they took that and looked laughing and then came on board without fear. Among them were two kings, more beautiful in form and stature than can be possibly described. One was about 40 years old, the other about 24, and they were dressed in the following manner. The oldest had a deer skin around his body, artificially wrought in damask figures. His head was without covering. His hair was tied back in various knots. Around his neck, he wore a large chain ornamented with many stones of different colors. The young man was similar in his general appearance. This is the finest looking tribe and the handsomest in their costumes that we have found in our voyage. They exceeded us in size and they are of very fair complexion. Some of them incline more to a white and others to a tawny color. Their faces are sharp, their hair long and black, upon the adorning of which they bestow great pains. Their eyes are black and sharp, their expression mild and pleasant, greatly resembling the antique. I say nothing to your majesty of the other parts of the body which are all in good proportion and as such belong to well-formed men. Their women are of the same form and beauty, very graceful, of fine countenances and pleasing appearance and manners and modesty. They wear no clothing except a deer skin ornamented like those worn by the men. Some wear very rich linked skins upon their arms and various ornaments upon their heads, composed of braids of hair, which also hang down upon their breasts on each side. Others wear different ornaments such as the women of Egypt and Syria use. The older and married people, both men and women, wear many ornaments in their ears, hanging down in the oriental manner.